you like love? Are you a night owl? Then Late Night Love is a place for you. Since life is negative enough, here we discuss everything love. What we love, who we love, and why we love. So join us on... Thank you, my lovelies, for joining us on another excursion down the stream of consciousness towards the river of love and onward towards the sea of tranquility. Yay! Yes, and for those of you who are catching the live stream of that, you know that why she's clapping because I completely butchered the other entrance. So, using <laughs> <laughs> the podcast, we're going to tell you if you want to catch that, go check out the Facebook or the YouTube page and you can see the butchering that I did to that. Anyway, this week on Late Night Love, we have a review of one of the world's worst answers to advice line, quite to an advice letter question. Um, you know, I'm reluctant actually to do these kinds of things, but that one's so bad that I actually think we should, I should actually cover it. It really is that bad uh, from my perspective. I can't wait. Then we've got uh, in the second half of the show. Stick around because we've got a dear lovey letter to deal with. We're going to kick off the second half of the show with that. And then we've got some 11 methods to bring back spark in your relationship. So we're so mixed in there. We're talking about relationship spark advice, which oddly enough, it fits with the love dear lovey letter. Yes. Doesn't really fit with this review thing, but not everything has to fit. All right. So before we get all that started, I do want to ask you all, if you would like to help our journey, you can go to our patreon.com slash late night love and for as little as $3 a month, they kind of join and help build our community. Um, we are looking at other ways because I know not everybody wants to use Patreon, so we need to kind of create as many of these outlets as possible. Maybe Facebook and all the various options we're looking into seeing as many of and find out which one our particular audience prefers. And you essentially throw stuff against the wall until you find one that your audience, your particular audience. We're not very good at using Patreon. I'll tell you why. I forgot to post it to Patreon right now. Did you really? Yeah, I forgot to post this live stream to Patreon, which tells you how bad we are. We need to put all this stuff in a list. Anyway, so as we go on, We'll kind of get on to do this. Let me stop here just for a second. I'm not stopping. I mean, we're going to go to, I actually need to do that. Go to the Patreon while I'm talking here. All right. So uh, share screen, screen three, no, screen two. All right. So, over here, we have, help, my wife won't let me quit my job. This man writes in to an advice at a major publication. So, actually, you can, I'm trying to keep the, you can actually see where it is, but I'm trying to be as pleasantly as possible. Other people would move, would do something like that. So, oh, that was weird. Okay. So this dear prudence person, he hates his job. He doesn't like any of his jobs. Okay. It's a, he calls us a whole nother level of hell. And this couple is struggling. His wife won't let me quit. She won't support me in the decision. And apparently she's not even being all that very sympathetic. She says, wow, that really sucks. Sorry about your luck. Well, that's a shitty response to someone who's telling you he's suffering. And she wants me to stick it out until they fire him or they shut down. Okay. And well, she helps in she she says she helps, she'll help she offers help to write cover letters and shift job posts, sift. Job postings. Yes. She's and, willing to help him. And, and well, and nowadays with so many things online, you can actually fill out a lot of applications and stuff online. 
So, well, here's the other thing. She's asked, he's asked his wife to return to the, now, neither one of these people are, no, neither, nobody here is being quite completely realistic, but he's asked his wife to return to full-time workforce. She's been a stay-at-home mom with our kids since the three years ago, for three years. And she continues to avoid that scenario and offering, like you said, offering to help kind of with a job, with a job search. She doesn't want to return to her previous field, and she doesn't know what she wants to do. And he's getting desperate and kind of an ultimatum thing, which, by the way, is never a good idea. An ultimatum? No. But if you're actually getting to the point where it's an ultimatum, you have to support me or, or I have to leave, it, it's, it, there's something else going on in this relationship, I'm going to suspect. Uh, there's other issues because uh -huh. they're not communicating they're talking past each other but and rather than deal with that because there's something clearly there's some issues about communication they're not talking the same issue he's talking about how desperate he's feeling his emotional desperation how awful he's feeling and she's talking about money yeah. and she doesn't want to go back to work and her feeling and she's not letting helping him work through his emotions and yes. say that you can't leave right now. We need them income. You think I, I get it that you're suffering. You know, how can I help you when you get home from the day? So, so it's not so, so bad. Right. And how can I, and I can, she's offering to do part of it, but it, it, she's, he's feeling, he's clearly feeling that her, you know, he, he maybe, well, yes, maybe he, a little sympathy. He doesn't feel heard. Yeah. He doesn't feel obviously, like she's being he's, sympathetic. He's, not heard. he's sitting here telling, I'm feeling, Desperate. The desperation is reeking off of this letter. Yes. And he's, it's an unsub, and he's feeling like he's not being heard. And she, the, her concerns are valid. The issues are valid. Everybody, everything here can be valid. You know, yes. both perspectives can be true. Yes. But, you know, someone's hurting and you have to deal with that pain first. And, and this is what her response is. If your wife is not willing to go back to full time work, and start single-handedly financially supporting your family, given the youngest is only three, she'd be out of the workforce. Her position isn't unreasonable. And at that stage, she is correct. And you don't want to split up and all that's correct. So the ultimate, she's fine there. But she says she can't believe your wife is being unsupportive either. She hasn't, she's clear, and she says she's offered you sympathy. No, she hasn't. She clearly hasn't offered him sympathy. Uh, not, <laughs> that he's needed. Apparently not, because he is not feeling heard. Yeah, he's desperate. He wrote to you in desperation, and you're sitting here telling she's offered you sympathy. No, she hasn't. He told you she hasn't. Right there at the beginning of the letter. She says, she basically answered with a very, with a very sympathetic, and that's a sarcastic sympathetic. Wow, that really sucks. Sorry about your luck. That's a sarcastic, very sympathetic writing. It is. It is. Sorry about your luck. Yeah, sucks to be you. Sucks to be you is what you're saying. Yeah, that's something a child tells their teenager. I mean, a child, a parent tells their teenager, yeah, sucks to be you. Get out in the rain and shovel the snow, right? Do whatever it is. <laughs> Get out in the snow and shovel the damn driveway, right? That sucks to be you. That's stuff you tell a teenager when they have doing a chore that they don't want to do. Not something you tell your spouse when he's telling you I'm emotionally hurt. Yes. And the answer didn't deal with any of that. And she's talking about is the reason she can't look for non-desperational jobs, why you continue to draw a paycheck and all that kind of stuff. It, well, it's because you're drained. It's difficult to go work all day and then you're supposed to go look for another job after you're working at a job for eight hours. You're gone for 10, nine, 10 hours a day are essentially taken care of, yes. dealt with, and you're miserable while you're at it which sucks all the energy out of you. And then you're supposed to buy, well, why can't you do it? No one's in an easy position here. You know, that's what life with kids is about. Life is hard. And it's this, you know, 
And the response should be, look, what you both have to do is stop talking past each other. Clearly, you guys aren't talking to each other right now. You know, she's probably stressed out since she's got kids at home, you know, at, at stuck at home. Everything's COVID. All the stress is going on. You're stressed, which increases her stress. Everybody's stressed out. And rather than kind of sitting back and dealing with the person who's in the most emotional pain at the moment. So yes, you, so they you, get priority. So you, so you can start to work your way through it. And then at some point, they will no longer be the person who needs it. Then the next person can start being dealt with. That's how you start getting through it. It's like, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Which bite do you start with? The one that's easy, most, the one that's sitting there telling you the, the loudest it needs to be dealt with. And this is true. He probably can't just quit his job and walk away right now. You're probably not in the financial position to be able to do it. That's what he wants to hear, though. Well, what he wants to hear is, look, I know you're hurting, but right now, you can't leave. We have to figure out a way to find a way through. And if she's willing to help him look for a job, why isn't she? Maybe they can both find a part-time job, work opposite schedules, so they can still raise the kids with this essentially as a, as a family unit. Why can't they look for other options? Why can't they sit down and have this rational discussion instead of clearly fighting with each other over something that they need to be working through? I think he has a resentment. I hear a tinge of resentment. Well, I think the resentment is building. I don't think it's necessarily the resentment's always there. It's he's miserable. He's not being heard. And she doesn't want to help me in a way that's how I find helpful. Yeah, but she's at home and he's the one who's stuck. Yeah. He's well, they're stuck. both stuck. And that's the hard part. That's what they're not actually hearing right now is they're both stuck right now. He feels stuck. Yeah. Well, but the cold, hard reality is they're both stuck. That's what parenthood is, especially as a young parent, especially when you want to have one person, uh, you know, a household where it's one income. That's best for the children, where you can have two parents and one stay home. It is best for the children, but it's not necessarily best for your pocketbook. It's not necessarily best for, you know, navigating life. It has its own downsides. You don't have the flexibility other people have. If you both had full-time jobs and one person goes, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to quit here. Go get a part-time job at Starbucks while I find something better. <laughs> you know, you can do that easier than you can when one person has to carry all the financial burden and one person is carrying most of the house burden. You know, they're both the burdens. And it's tough. And yeah, it's, it's, he, you probably can't just walk away, even though if, if you end up in an emotional breakdown, you might have been better off walking away, especially now that you have the, the child. Well, yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's not no cost to sustain. And I think that actually, actually might be understood. We kind of are poo-pooing the emotional cost. If you deal with that, I've done it. You stick around in some place that miserable long enough, you will crack. You will break down. And the consequences of that to your family and your finances will be even worse than walking away. And it's very easy for all of us to sit back here and say, you know, well, you've got to stay. You need the money. You can't just. Yeah, but if in two months he's emotionally broken and can no longer do it, can no longer function as a human being, it ends up in the in a mental institution or. Or worse. You know, we can't ignore that side. And that's the problem with the answer. They ignored the mental health side. Completely ignored his mental health. That is dripping desperation at a point where it's ultimatum. It's support me or we have to split up. 
That's desperation. That's on the verge of an emotional breakdown. Well, it reminds me of an of the verge of an emotional breakdown. You take you go the wrong way, it's not good. It's the path to hell. I've taken it a couple times. It's not a good place to go. <laughs> you know, now you can overcorrect. You can over you can <laughs> there's dangers going the other way as well. I've done that. So, you know, you can over avoid and there's dangers there. It, it's so like I say, and it's not an easy thing. I don't know what the hell the right answer is. But the answer you give is complex. You sit there and say, well, you know, maybe he is suffering enough where you've got to figure out how to get him out of there as fast as you freaking can. And if it means you both go get a part-time job at, at some place so you can <laughs> replace the income until you can figure out something better, then that's what you do. Because, you know, if if a job was going to cause someone to have cancer, would you force them to continue working there? Well, no. If a job would, is going to force somebody to have an emotional breakdown, would you force them to continue well, working? Well, no. I think that's what we have to be careful about here. When we sit here and we give these nice, easy answers, which we just did. We spent 10 minutes giving a nice, easy answer. But let's get real. We've both been through the the mental health issues. Yes. Wouldn't wish it on anybody. No. I don't care who you are. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. So... I think we should all be very careful about being judgmental of someone who's sitting here telling you, I am suffering. I need to do something. Help me. We ask men. We tell them, tell us how you're feeling. Tell us when you need help. He said he needs help. And what did we tell him? Back of our hand. Suck it up, buttercup. Deal with it. Be a man. You know, it's a bit sexist, isn't it? At the very least. <laughs> but life is hard. It's also true. Everything we said was also true. How do you find that balance? That's the trick. In getting a successful life. It's finding that balance. And you only find that balance by not being judgmental, by being kind and compassionate and trying to figure out what is this person actually dealing with? This man is suffering emotionally and mentally at a time when we know for a fact suicides, emotional distress, isolations are sky high. And it wasn't even mentioned his emotional and mental health wasn't even mentioned. Anyway, I think those of us in the advice game, in the advice business, and we are now in the advice business, whether we like it or not, have a responsibility to be careful on how we approach things. You, know, you want to be truthful and honest and, you know, tell the kind of the cold truth sometimes, but you always want to couch that and make sure that you understand that there's times where, you know, people need to be protected from the cold, hard truth. And sometimes life can be too cold and too hard for too long. And as compassionate people in societies, we need to protect them. Sometimes, if you do it early enough, it doesn't take very much. When people reach out to you, say that you're suffering, at the very least, acknowledge it. Honor it. Don't just write it off. Anyway, 
they wonder why society <laughs> men aren't treated like the way they are. And there we go. That's the advice that we get. We reach out to you. We tell you, hey, we need help. I'm suffering. Too bad. I just think we should you know, be looking in the mirror. All these kinds of things. Anytime somebody reach out, reaches out to you and says, I'm suffering, and you can do something about it. We're being realistic. There's things you can't do. There's things out of every, there's, you know, there's people you as an individual can't help. There's people we can't help. But there are people we can. And so you help the people you can. And you don't make things worse. Don't make things worse. Yeah, so first do no harm. First do no harm. Yep. Okay. So we've got, I don't know, less than 10 minutes for the second half of the show. So that was took longer than I thought. I thought that was only going to take about 10 minutes. That took almost 20. So, <laughs> so, but for those of you who want, uh, you can send uh, me a, catch me on at Twitter at jazzrack. You can contact lovey at love at late night love.us. We do have a letter, a dear lovey letter coming. But what do we have lined up for the rest of the evening? Over there, we got the Dear Lovey Levitt on the second half to lead off the second half. But how to rekindle a relationship methods to bring back the spark. Ooh. Okay. Should we should you want to be launched into that? Let's, yeah, let's do one. Okay. The first is to be honest with your partner about your feelings. Okay. okay, discussing why you believe rekindling needs to happen mm-hmm. and what you feel is lacking from a relationship is key to making it happen. Yes. However, don't expect your partner to be 100% on the same page. Well, that that's part of the thing. Manage your personal expectations of the conversation. A lot of us write a conversation in our head, and then when the conversation doesn't go the way we write it, and I'm using that term us and we because you know I, I do it. <laughs> I fly. I do it. And it's okay to have it. It's okay to be prepared. I'm not saying don't write the conversation. Just understand that it's not gonna go that way. <laughs> You're writing what you think's gonna happen, what you want to happen, not what's actually gonna happen. You know, you might get close. You know your partner, so you might actually get relatively close, but you might not. You might hit a nerve. You might get something that you haven't thought about. There's, there's all kinds of things. It just may not be the right day. They may be feeling attacked because you might approach it differently or have a strange tone in your voice. Or they've had an off day and they're going to interpret it weird anyway. All yes, these timing is so important. Are, and there's things that you might not have any control over or knowledge of you don't know. You don't know if someone didn't sleep very well last night and they kind of had a long day. It wasn't especially bad, but it was kind of thing. And they just been kind of quiet about it. They seemed relatively normal. So he's like, Hey, it's a nice day to have a conversation. And it ends up not being, you know, <laughs> those things happen, <laughs> you know, or it brings up some issues from the past, from previous relationships. And, you know, it, it's, they're not actually hearing you speak. They're hearing someone else attack them. I get you. Yes. Yeah. In a sense, they're they're not perceiving the world quite correctly because of past trauma. Uh-huh. And we all know trauma does that. You don't interpret the world properly until you literally rewire that that section. But you know, you know your partner, you know if there's past traumas and you know when these things, aha, I didn't realize that was going to hit that. Okay, I'll be more careful next time I approach it. You know, we all know how to do these things. Anybody who has long-term compassionate relationships, you know how to do these things. You know when you come up, you know, and you've accidentally stepped on a landmine. Oops. (laughs) That wasn't necessarily personal. My bad, I didn't know. <laughs> you know, everybody, you know, when cooler heads prevailed, everything moves on because everybody knows that it's 
one of those things. Yes, it wasn't something that was. And when you're talking about rekindling spark in a relationship, it can feel like an attack. You can feel like I'm not good enough. Ah. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So your approach has to be very careful. Yeah, and because for all that person, they might be trying, but trying in the wrong way. Right. And so for them, I'm doing what I can. What do you, you know, kind of? And so you might be in the wrong wrong way, or maybe they've just gone through a, you know, preparing for the bar exam or for something big kind of thing event, and and you were perfectly happy to let them go through it, but you just passed it. Can we now start talking about a way to get back to a normal life? And that's really the only discussion you want to have, but because it's been so long and stress is built up and all that thing, it comes out a little bit sideways and then it gets, it builds up into a whole thing that was never meant to be. I could see how that would happen. <laughs> well, as you can see, somebody's been through a lot in his life. <laughs> and why not the bar exam? I'm trying to pick kind of more generic things. Right. Things that everybody can kind of understand. But, you know, everybody goes can go through these big stressful periods of times where, you know, you kind of allow certain parts of your relationship to, I don't necessarily want to say suffer, but it doesn't get your full attention. It doesn't get the full attention. But when that thing clearly passes, Hey, can we kind of work at getting our relationship back to some normalcy yes. back to where we want our normal to be? Cause I don't want that to be new normal. I just wanted that to be while we got through this thing. Now we were through this thing. Can we, Get back to, to our. Can to, we get? Can we talk about? Find uh, out where our normal wants where, to be. I want our normal to be something go. back. I know it's never going to be that again. Exactly because, the same. But but can we talk about where it's going to go? Yeah. And that's the question. I think ultimately, when you want to get there, is you want to be very careful how you approach it, because it's so easy to make it to have it feel like an attack. And I think that's what you want to avoid. You want to avoid your partner feeling like you're attacking them, especially if they're trying. You know, if they're actually putting in an effort, but it's just kind of spinning wheels, you don't want to attack them for trying. You know, if they're actually putting in a good faith effort, but they're just not doing the right types of things. Well, then that's a vastly different discussion. Yeah than someone who has checked out. Because if someone's checked out, then your discussion is, why have you checked out? What's going on? It's not rebuilding the rekindling. It's what the hell happened? Why have you checked out? That's a different discussion. That's a vastly different discussion. And that's a vastly different relationship status. It's not rebuilding kinship. That's finding out, do we actually still have a relationship? Or are we just habit? But there are times when relationships go through periods of habit. You know, if you have a 30-year marriage, a 30-year relationship. You're going to tell me there aren't some years there that are habit? Come on. <laughs> I just, um, my favorite, one of my favorite, I don't, idolize people. I don't have uh, famous people that, that I look up to or idols or anything like that. But one of the people who I have a strong memory from who is kind of famous type person, sports figure type thing, is Tommy Lasorda. He recently passed away. Dodgers manager. Spent a long time as a Dodger. 33 years managing the, the Dodgers. Light Dodger blue type of thing, right? That kind of old school. Anyway, he was married to his wife for 70 years. Good heavens. Now, in a 70-year marriage, there's going to be periods of time where parts of your marriage become habitual. And that's why they say marriages work. Relationships are work. Because when you notice that happens, you say, hey, we don't want this to happen. Because that's how you devalue the love. And so let's fix it. But good relationships do that. 
They give you both the freedom to become habitual and yet the mindfulness and knowledge to not let it stick around and become a problem. And in a sense, rebuilding the, the kindling is part of is kind of in a sense that, hey, let's not let this become habitual. Let's put some uh, spice it up isn't really the word I want to use, but it's the word we're going to use. And we are going to create our halftime break right here in a second. And we will be right back to talk about uh, our Dear Lovey Letter. And welcome back for the second half of our journey down the river of love. Towards the sea of... Oh, man, I butchered it. Down the stream of consciousness towards the sea of tranquility. Yeah, but we'd already done the stream of consciousness part. Oh. <laughs> I was trying to be cute. That's what I get for trying to be cute on the fly, I suppose. <laughs> okay, so... I cleaned up this... Uh, we got a dear lovely letter. So this is one of the things, if you write to love at latenightlove.us, you can write to your lovey, and we will get some answers. Now, my lovey, yes. do you want to read this, or do you want me to read this? I can read that. Well, because I've got it to put it up on the screen. Here you go. Okay. Dear lovey, I have a friend who is getting back into dating. He married his college sweetheart. She was his first and only sexual partner. What advice would you have for him for getting back in the game, quote unquote, especially in these restrictive COVID times? Well, first of all, that's that's a tall order. That's a huge, major life change. And the first thing I would say is go slow. Be good to yourself. Take it easy. Well, my question is, first, you're going to have to make a decision. If you're a, what, 30s? I'm going to assume near 30 at least, either near 30 or in your 30s. Yes. And, and you've only had one sexual partner in your lifetime. You might actually be more interested in exploring your sexuality than you are in finding a life partner. Yes. That's what I mean by take it easy and be good to yourself. You have to really figure out what you want. Yes. So you have to be very careful. Maybe now maybe you have. Maybe you and your person were and your previous spouse were explored all your sexuality and you're perfectly fine and you're ready to and that was the problem is you were you had married for sex rather than married for a long-term spouse. So maybe you've done that, you know. But at the same time, if you want to try out uh, whips and a, and a strap on, this might not be the same person you want to marry. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. I'm just, you know, there's different relations. There's different stages of life for different stages of exploration, I suppose, is the word. Well, there's certain phases of life. Yeah. And you know, someone who's stages. And someone who's and there's stages of dating. There's different phases, different types of dating. So without knowing the person's I mean, he may be a serial monogamist. Yes. You know, he may be you know, forget it. I don't want to do all that dating. It gives me the heebie jeebies just thinking about it. I'm ready for my next Event, yeah, may, and maybe they're a strong Christian or a strong religious person, and sex outside of marriage is, is unheard of, and so that's not really an issue. Maybe sex exploration isn't an interest. Yeah, and so understanding where you personally are, the most important thing. But when you go back to enter the game, is to understand which game you're entering. Yes, are you entering? Am I out to have a good time? Explore my sexuality, and if love happens to smash me in the face. I'll take it, but I'm really just out looking to kind of explore where I want to do what I like because I didn't get to do that. 
I haven't got the opportunity to even kind of really contemplate it. I don't even know what it means because my worldview has so, been so narrow. Yes. Or maybe you've gone, yeah, I've been there, done all that, and I'm ready to just kind of settle down. I just want to find the actual Mrs. Mrs. Mr. Whatever per person, perfect. I just want to find Mr. Uh, pers perfect person, Mr. Mrs. Perfect whatever person, perfect whatever person would happen to be, yeah. <laughs> Whoever perfect person happens to be, I just want to find perfect person and settle down and live a calm, quiet life. And whatever all that stuff happens to be, happens to be, is not my major concern. But during these restrictive COVID times, we did a special on that. We did a reviewed an article. And what it boiled down to is that there's a lot of communication in 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 and and because uh, the and because you have to see that your goals line up with the same the other person's goals and their behavior patterns. One one person may expect you to wear a mask during the whole day. You know, another other person is you know, just only won't meet up unless you know you've had a covid test so i mean it's all over the place it's, well yeah it's like any it's like anything else in, in life it's all over the place and in a sense you know their worldview on it their view how they want to get through it it tells you part about them and tells you if they're compatible or not you know if you have vastly different perspectives on 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 dealing with covid well then maybe you're not right for each other yeah you know, but if you're maybe you have, but maybe you have vastly different perspectives, but you can understand the other person's perspective, and so it's not that big of a maybe deal. Maybe it's not that far and so, off. And so you can find the compromise, a workable compromise, and you can find out that hey, yeah, we're actually quite compatible despite our differences, because we're actually able to work through them. Yes. You know, there's a number of ways to to view this, and so my thing is in dealing with COVID is don't focus on COVID so much. Like the things you can't do, you can't do. So you don't worry about those. It's figure out what you can do. Maybe you can take lectures online together and you can go learn about, I don't know, astronomy. And learn about Pluto with a free online class. Go stargaze. Yeah, you don't even have to say these days. You can, you can stargaze at home separately together nowadays. You can go, you can log in because we all got HD TVs now or hooked up to our computers or whatnot. You can log into the class. You can listen to the guy talk about the, the, the thing in, in your full HD at your home while you guys are Zooming or, or Facebook timing or portaling or whatever service you use to connect to each other. You can have your own personal conversation while also having the experience of of going to a Oh, what the heck are those things called? Planetarium. Planetarium type thing. You know, we can think outside the box. And oddly enough, I'm sitting here giving this a good idea. And we should look into doing this kind of thing. We should. Yes. <laughs> you know, we should take our own advice on this one. Uh, we can I'm do all that. for that. We, so there's other ways. We can think outside the box. Instead of thinking that COVID is limiting you, think of it as opening a different box. Yeah, okay, you can't go do dinner in a movie like you normally did. So what can you do? Stop worrying about what you can't do. Worry about what you can't do. Yeah. And I, and I know it's easy to say. I, I know it's easy to say. But it starts by saying it. You're not going to do it if you can't say it. Start saying it. And then you'll start doing it. That's the theory. All right. So confused. Our, our uh, advice is? Our advice, yes. Welcome I'm to confusion. Confused. Yes, dating is confusing. It's hard. Yes. And, you know, it, there's no easy answer. The best answer is to know which game you're getting into whether it's exploration and fun or actually looking for a long-time serious relationship. Once you answer that question, 
the other answers. Well, uh, we also missed a few. You could, you could, you can casually date, but you don't want to be serious. You just want to have companionship. Yes, but let's be honest. If you're casually dating, are you casually dating, or are you just dating for fun? It's for fun. And if you happen to fall and find love, you find love. Quite frankly, I think that's the best way to find love. If you look for it too hard, you don't find it. You don't find it. You become. It, it, you, I become desperate. It becomes desperate. You, you, love is best when it smacks you in the face unexpectedly. Yes, indeed, my honey. <laughs> okay, so what next we got over there? Okay, uh, on our um, how to kindle a relationship, 11 methods to bring back the spark. We already talked about number one. First, you have to be honest with your partner about your feelings. Uh -huh. Now, number two is flirt more often. Is that a euphemism? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's an inside joke. I'm sorry. No, everybody else going, what the hell are these people talking about? Flirt. Is, is, is that it may thing? feel awkward or first at first, but this is the first way. To, this is a simple way to begin the rekindling process. What flirting techniques did you use when you first start in the first days on your romance to elicit giggles and demonstrate interest? So is that a euphemism? So that's why I flirt. I just, I just say, is that a euphemism to almost everything? Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you got game, babe. Hey, well, you're here. <laughs> so apparently it works. It works for me. I don't recommend it. <laughs> you made me laugh. That's the key for me. I mean, other people will clearly do it differently, but for me. You made me laugh. I was a sucker. That was it, man. I melted. I was gone. Oh, please. Yours is the nose wrinkle. The nose wrinkle. Oh, my God. That nose wrinkle. I have to get to know this guy. You're mine. I said that. <laughs> so flirt more. Yes, flirt more. And, but here's the thing for those of you who don't think you don't, you know how to flirt. I don't know how to flirt. Just be yourself a little more often. Yeah. They like you because you're you just be you. They like you already. That's why you're together. They already like you. <laughs> just be you. <laughs> That's if I, I'd have understood that. We might not be together. <laughs> if you wouldn't understand, if I had understood that a long time ago when I was younger, I may have made previous one of my previous relationships work. Ah, <laughs> see what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> you know how the world works funny ways, right? If I'd have learned my lessons too early, we wouldn't be sitting here. Right. Yeah. So be thankful I'm a slow learner. <laughs> okay this next one i take issue with uh oh all right sext each other even if you're in the same room well but sexy text messages we're too old for that well that's not for us that's all not for us. If you're a younger generation, they if might. You're a younger if you enjoy that kind of thing, if you're a texter, yeah, but we're not really texters. Yeah, if you're that kind of thing, if you, if you enjoy that kind of thing, and maybe it's. Sometimes I'll send you random pictures of like my knees or something. Yeah, but you take the world's worst pictures. You can't even figure out what is just like this blur. What the hell is that? That was my forehead. I had the camera too close. <laughs> I was trying to smile. I was trying to do my eye. You got the role yet to do my eye, but it didn't come out. You're never going to be one of those Instagram influencers. I'm just telling you. It's not that you're not cute enough, but that you have no idea what you're doing with the camera. No, I don't. No, I don't. 
You send me pictures. What the hell is that supposed to be? Is that a boob or is that a piece of paper? I don't know. God, no, I just said boob. Well, I know, but it didn't look like anything. It looked like actually the closest thing it looked like like your thumb was halfway over the the, the picture was what it really looked like. (laughs) But I'm going, but you know, I know you're trying to be playful and thinking, what the hell is she sending me? This is me flirting. (laughs) This is me flirting, ladies and gentlemen, sending pictures that no one can decipher. What the hell is she sending me? I know she's trying to be cute, so what is it? Trying to decipher it. Walk in there. What the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing neither one of us know how to flirt because we'd be in trouble. All right, so what do we got? Well, I like this one. The number four. Change one thing. Uh-huh. Rekindling a relationship can, can be daunting. You do not have to tackle every aspect to reignite the, reigniting the flames all at once. So do one thing. If it's saying please and thank you more often, then do that. Well, the other way to, to look at it is, is pick the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Do what's easy. Do the easy stuff first. You know, try that. See how it goes. I just, yeah. I don't have any. That's a pretty good idea. And don't try to do too much at once because then you're not going to. Succeed and then, yeah, you feel overwhelmed. Not only you feel overwhelmed, but if you if you if you try five and you succeed at one, well, you know you succeeded at one, but you failed at four, and so you're gonna feel like you're not making progress. Rather than looking at it as like, well, hey, we 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 made progress. There's one. You focus. Yeah. Yeah. So it's set expectations type thing. Manage expectations. Okay. Number five, make six a priority. Excuse me. And they're like, why not toss date night and sex night on your weekly, on your daily and weekly to-do list? Now, we have covered this before. If if you schedule sex, it starts to become routine. It becomes a chore. It becomes a chore. It's, it's like on, on Thursday nights, you take out the trash, right? It's... Okay, sex is fun and everything, but now I can see a little bit more people. If if you're you've got children, you have to set the alarm early in the morning. Set the alarm for another hour, half hour. Get up, little little bang to your morning. What? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't always work for everybody, but no. Well, yeah, find what you find that works for you. You come home for lunch, you know, whatever it is. If, but if you rely too much on sex to create that intimate, intimate connection to maintain an intimate connection, you're setting a bad precedent for later on in your relationships when you actually get old and you know the sex becomes less important than what do you do? Mm. Solve the real issue. If you solve the real issue, this you won't have to schedule sex. You'll want to engage in it more often. Well, this is about rekindling the spark, and they kind of focus on the sex. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, because that's the, that's the end result you want. If you, sex, if you successfully rekindled the spark, your sex life will automatically pick up. Yeah. Okay. You don't need to try to pick up your sex life. You try to repair everything. So therefore you are in better spirits, better mood, and your time is better scheduled. So you have you sex is more likely to naturally happen. If you have the time and you're both in good spirits and you're happy with each other, you'll want to engage. You know, if you're old like me and broken, you might want to engage, but your body laughs at you. That's a different issue. <laughs> we engage. My body laughs at me. Let's be clear. My back, my neck, my the nerves in my arm. The, 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 I'm a 
physical mess. But that's why I said you make, make sure everything else works. So when you have one spot of your relationship that has to suffer for one reason or another, it, it can withstand it. You're not, you're not setting up your relationship to be having one spot of it hold so much weight. And a lot of us, especially when we're young, 20s and 30s, we that's, that sex component of it holds up more weight than it should. Uh, yeah. And so when you hit your 40s <laughs> and the sex slows down because you're in your 40s, then what do you do? And that's why a lot of people start having trouble in their 40s. But anyway, because you don't have the other habits aren't solid enough to withstand the change. So maintain your other habits and your sex life will be healthy. Yes. That's all. Most unhealthy sex lives, they're either health related, right? Physical health related, or, or you know, your relationship is has some spots, other spots that need to be worked on and you fix those. Firm believer in that. Because a healthy relationship, you want to be intimate if you can. You're kind of looking for opportunities. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're, you're looking for it. You want it because you're happy. And I like that person and I want to be really close to that person. And yeah, because they make me feel good. And, and when they make me feel good, we do, we engage in an act that's designed to make us feel good. We both feel good together. And, and Bonus, everybody wins. <laughs> quite literally, everybody wins because you're happier. So your kids, so you're nicer to your kids. The birds sing, or the the birds chirp, or is friendlier. The, the flowers smell better. You know, having to fix the car is less annoying. You know, having to give that speech in front of the boss is less annoying. All that stuff is true. Every bit of it. But if you, it, the problem is that lots of time we focus on the sex, and the sex is actually the least, part, the last part of that chain. Yes, it's the rest of the relationship. Well, I have number seven, which is up for discussion. Uh -huh. Warm yourself up. Sometimes it's difficult to know what to ask of your partner if you're uncertain what makes you feel good. This is true. And um, also, you know, get the, not, you know, start without you, but, you know, kind of get the motorboat going. Hey, start without me. You're all right. Good. <laughs> I don't mind joining halfway. <laughs> well, theoretically, you know. <laughs> just as long as you're invited, right? <laughs> hey, I'm just happy to be at the party, you know. <laughs> Okay, number out. Number eight, try out responsive desire. Um, there are two unique types of desire, sponta spontaneous desire and responsive desire. Okay, spontaneous desire happens on its own for no reason. Uh -huh. It just happens. And responsive desire occurs as a result of a another act. For instance, <coughs> catching your partner's eye across the room or lightly kissing their lips. This could ignite a fire in the two of you that leads to something even hotter. Do the dishes in your underwear. So, other words, make the first move. So, like, do the dishes in your underwear. No, well, we can't do it here, but theoretically type thing. Theoretically, I don't mean the actual. I don't actually mean actual dishes. You know. But yeah, I understand <laughs> what you're doing. You know, fold the laundry in the nude, something like that. Well, that's certainly taking the first step. <laughs> <laughs> you get their attention. Yes. Okay, number nine. Go on a staycation. Because we can't plan a weekend with home, 
with the sole intention of reconnecting and reigniting the fire. Even an overnight stay at a local, a local hotel can start sparks to fly. Now, that does it for me. I don't know. See, an overnight stay at a local hotel for me is more annoying than it is helpful. Then it is romantic. Yeah, it's just. Uh, I mean, I'd rather drive an hour out of town to some, not even, you know, even if it's a town that's just got a warehouse town, but it's near a lake or something, so you can kind of pretend you're on a vacation. It <laughs> would be better. Get an hour and a half out of the town and stop off at a hotel by the side of the road. You know, whatever is fine. But uh, you don't want to go, yeah, let's go stay at a hotel downtown. Oh, man. Why? Why? <laughs> that why. doesn't make sense to you. Doesn't okay. Make sense to me. okay, well, we know what we're doing. Ten, read or watch something exciting. I have, I think we should get a, a, a bodice ripper and you should, you should read it to me. What? Okay. A bodice ripper. You know, where he, with his heaving bosom, heaving chest, ripped her bodice from her lily white thighs. No, lily white chest. Can't we just have the Chippendale dancers come over? I think that would be easier for me. I'm sorry. My days of my <laughs> days of clubbing are over. I didn't say go to the Chippendale Dancing Club. I said, hey, can't the Chippendale Dancers come over? Okay, well, I'd sign up for that. I'd be <laughs> sitting in a chair in the living room. Okay, boys, I got dollars. <laughs> just say, I didn't say go to the damn club. I'm too old for that kind of crap. That's just I feel too old and feel creepy. So, <laughs> but no, I'm over to your house, a private dancer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Consult. Okay, number eleven. All right, the last one. Hey, it's a good timing. Last one. Consult and meet with a sex therapist. Yeah, okay. They find it it's a terrific way to bounce issues off a third party is trained to guide guide couples through giant spells and nets. That's true. They're trained to to help guide you through it. Well, if sex is your actual problem, then I'm fine with it. I just oftentimes just problems with problems are elsewhere. More often than not, the problems are elsewhere. Well, a good counselor is going to delve into that. I don't know what the percentages are, and I'm not going to, I don't, I, it's probably not nine, even nine out of ten. It's probably less than that. Seven out of ten. It's probably something else. But, and so I'm not want to be universal about it, but my guess is if you're having issues with sex, it's not physical. It's not health reasons. It's probably something else in your relationship. Start there. That's where I would start before you start. Don't start at the sex therapist. If you've gone through everything else, you've dealt with all your issues in your relationship, and there's in process of being dealt with, and you're as happy as you can reasonably be expected to be in a, in a long-term relationship, and you're still having issues with sex. You know, and maybe your issues with sex is that someone has a repressed sexual desire that they're afraid to discuss because they're afraid of being rejected. Could be. And they don't want to bring it up because they don't want to risk their, you know, their, their relationship is more important, but yet it sits there and they haven't never really dealt with it because they don't have anybody to talk to about it. Sexuality is a funny thing. And that kind of thing is what a sex therapist can help with. So if yeah. that's the issue, if that's the block, then by all means, go find a sex therapist. Get help dealing with that. So I'm not, I'm not I want to say, I'm not saying that sex therapists are useless. They have their uses and when they're useful, they are very useful. I just don't start there. 
work on your the basics of your relationship. Start at the basics. And the healthy sexual relationship is a, a more often than not a byproduct of all the other aspects of your relationship. And sometimes everything else can be right. And that part doesn't doesn't match. And then you got to decide what to do. And those are some of the toughest decisions in life. They get easier as you get older, I suppose. You know, it's it's easier to say, I don't care about the sexual differences, you know, when you're 60 than when you're 20. When, when you're 20, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because been there, done that. But it doesn't mean it's unimportant. And, you know, these things are difficult because there's not a right answer. I can't tell you if you're that different, you should go or you should stay or you should try to find it. No one has that answer for you. So answers we all have to find ourselves. You know, finding those answers for yourselves is about loving yourself, about understanding yourself, about loving those people you care about enough that, you know, sometimes if you really love somebody, you have to let them go so they can be who they truly are. And sometimes it's making sure you hold on to them so they can be who they truly are. <laughs> There's no easy answer to these things. That's why you approach life with love. You first do no harm. Yeah. You try, okay. you tread lightly. Treading lightly, treading with love, I think is kind of the philosophy we should all try to look forward to in our life. Because otherwise, you're not. You're either spreading love in this world or you're not. It's one of those things. You know, the water faucet's either on or it's off. Turn it on. Spread some love. Make sure to include yourself. Don't ever forget to include yourself. And that is it for today. From me and Lubby, we want to thank you for watching us. And I want to thank my mother for answering some comments on the first half of the show that I didn't catch. 1117. She had a discussion about the mental health issues, the answering the. Yes. And she actually did make a good point. What? It's about approaching based upon your perceived or past behavior, about you know how you deal with these issues. You have to consider past behaviors and as you work your way forward in dealing with the letter. Yes. You know, without knowing so much, you can't answer that guy specifically because you don't know what his yes. past behaviors are. If right. he's repeating a pattern, but you know, if he's repeating a pattern, there may be reasons for that. And so again, it compassion, you know, there's maybe there's mental health issues already at play and they aren't being addressed. But anyway, we'll discuss that more next week. Thank you guys for, for joining. If you could help us out, please go to... Uh-oh. Ah. ah. There it is. Patreon.com slash Late Night Love and join our community for as little as $3 a day from me and Lubby. Thank $3 you. $3 a month, month, not $3 a day. Oh, wow. $3 a day. You can send me $3 a day. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm happy to do it. And if you send me $3 a day, I'll, I'll actually provide some kind of service. for you. I'll figure something out for that. Anyway, I'm cheap. I'm a cheap date. Anyway, thank you for joining us on this excursion of love. Down the stream of consciousness, through the river of love, down to the sea of tranquility, and onward. That was it. <laughs>
Should just see a CFM code. Yeah, we're at the, yeah, anyway, man, I butchered entrances and exits. I just butchered all that. We got to write something out for you. <laughs> God. Well, I was trying to be cute, and that's what happens when I try to be cute without even thinking about scripting. I try to, you know, it's one thing to be cute. It's another thing to try and be cute live on the air, unscripted and unthought of beforehand. Well, I always think you're cute. Yeah, well, that rose color glasses. Anyway, for me and Lovey, thank you guys. Thank you all for joining us. And we, we please remember to love everybody. What the hell is our entrance exit? Is it love everybody? Yes. Mm -hmm. I forgot. Man, I'm having a tough night. All right. Good night, everybody. Thanks. <laughs>